Fire Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up Ay. Uh, Rising from the ashes Yo, what's happening, Fire Tribe? Welcome to Rising From the motherfucking ashes I'm Danny Naki Dan I'm the homie Romy. What's up? And also in the house with us tonight, Elaine is joining us again. How's it going, Elaine? It's going good. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Yeah. Fired up. Fired up. Fired up. This is the last show of the month. Well, of the Divine Feminine Month. Uh, not the last show. There's a group show coming up after this, but we had a cancellation, so we're a little bit behind. Uh, and so I searched Instagram for Divine Feminine, and I came across Lisa Gupta. Uh, she had a bunch of posts about the Divine Feminine, and she's a Reiki healer and a tarot reader. And so I sent her a message on Instagram and was like, "Hey, would you like to be on our show?" <laughs> we're looking for a guest and she's like yeah sure so it was her first time ever on a podcast and i thought she did really well for a first time podcast she did fucking great she did absolutely fantastic yes yeah i thought she was uh yeah. really good and full of information and some good insight and uh i thought it's a perfect way to end out the month too um and she comes she lives in india uh so she does have a little bit of a thick accent uh but it it was really cool to see side of things from somebody who has lives it you know rather than somebody that talks about it so uh it was really cool Uh, also we get that eastern perspective as a as opposed to you know everyone else has been american so that's yeah exactly my point been a really cool benefit yeah 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 and uh but she did great i thought the whole episode was really good and uh just enjoyed it uh, did you guys have any thoughts about it or anything that you pulled from it that you thought was awesome? I enjoyed the tarot reading she did for each oh, of us. Yeah. I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was, that awesome. was a nice, a nice little closing to the discussion. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. It was, uh, about you, each individual decks too. She pulled individual decks. That was pretty sweet. Like she especially, you know, read each of our energies and said, I'm going to pull this you know, a card from this deck for you. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really great. I, I think um, it was really interesting to hear her say that she doesn't vibe with Ayurveda, um, you know, <laughs> living in India and yeah. like being a yogi and a healer and everything. And then she's just like, you know, I don't really like know too much or really care for Ayurveda or Ayurvedic medicine. I was like, what? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I mean, different perspective right i mean teach their own yeah yeah 
Yeah, I thought yeah, it was exactly. a great interview, though. She did really well. Uh, she also sent me uh, uh, a video earlier and was like, hey, check out this guy. Uh, he's a naturalist and into some natural stuff. So check out his video and see if you're into him. I can uh, set you up or something with him so you do a show. And I was like, sweet. It's awesome. She's already helping us. Is, is, he, in, <laughs> is he in India as well? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Nice. Yeah, so. yeah, I would love that. Love to try to get as much, uh, you know, outside of American perspective as possible, you know, on the show yeah. just to keep it fresh and, and well-rounded, you know, other viewpoints. Yes. Yes. Well-rounded, just like the, the shape of the toroidal cosmic planet <laughs> that we're on. Yeah. And, um, uh, in other news, uh, the Patreon is on fire we've had oh my goodness it's so great oh yes several new guests join us so shout out to kaylee thank you kaylee for kaylee. joining the fire tribe welcome we also have uh bruce the torres he's been on your show bruce. Roman, and he's uh been on rfta so thank you bruce we appreciate you welcome to the fire tribe uh we also have laura uh, thank you, Laura. Welcome to the fire truck. Laura Jane. <laughs> we also have Juan from the one on one podcast. Thanks, Juan. Welcome to the fire tribe. Juan. And we have, uh, and we also have Roman's mama who's been on the show. She was on, uh, our New Year's episode. So shout out mom. to Roman's mom, Tanya. Thank in you. In honor of this month, in honor of the divine. Thank you, Miss T. Mama T. Uh, that was a Mama, Mama T. T episode for any of you. That is a fireball episode, I believe, number three or so. If you guys want to go check that out, you can see a lot of Roman's personality in his mom. It's interesting insight if you haven't listened to that show. Go check that out. Uh, thank you also, to all of our prayers out to Mama. She just had hip surgery, by the way. And oh, everybody, she just yeah. got. Her hip, yeah, she got her hip done worked on, and uh, now she, uh, now she doesn't have to waddle so much. But you know, I kind of feel like a dick because I've been making fun of her waddle for a long time. <laughs> she has like a waddle walk, and um, I'm so sorry. I love you, and because you're listening, and now yeah. I feel like a stupid idiot, little fucking goddamn microcosm <laughs> of a man when I should be. You know, supporting everything that you do because you are a beautiful creator of life. And thank you for nurturing me at the times that you do and did and have will always be. Love you, mom. Oh, my God. Well, okay. That's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, So uh, to everybody else out there, (laughs) go check out that Mama T episode and send her some good vibrations and get whales as she recovers from uh, the surgery. That would be awesome. Um, what were you going to say, Elaine? I was going to say he should have been carrying her everywhere instead of making fun of her like a little asshole. <laughs> that is just so fucked up. I remember, like, I, don't even, I remember one time. I don't even, I don't even, no, 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 no. You're so no, this bad, is Roman. different. This You're is bad. a neck injury. She had a neck injury and she got turned. Did you like give this. it to her? And I, yeah, no, I didn't give her the injury. No, I, that's not oh, okay. Elaine. That's terrible. 
well, you don't shit. believe me? You, you think like I making fun of her? All right, all right. God. We were in the car, and and she just turns her whole body instead of her head because she can't turn her head. And <laughs> I just started laughing, and I don't know why. Our you know our loved ones when we see our loved ones in opposed positions, right? Sometimes it, it makes us laugh. It's, it's, it's a different type of like, if you see someone else like that, you're like, Oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Then you see like, you know, your brother, for instance, if you were to see Dan injured, like you were, you know, profusely making fun of him. You totally make fun of me the whole time. She would not be nice to me at all. I, 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 I do hysterically laugh every time somebody trips. I have to admit that. Like, I think that that is absolutely fucking hilarious. And I, even if I don't know them, I still laugh. So Uh, so I'm just teasing you, Roman. I'm teasing. I'm sure you're a great son. I saw all your photo dumps you did on Telegram of you and your mom and your Grammy. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they're so cute. All so right, everybody Granny. go check it out. All yeah, right, go yeah. check out their Telegram. Go check thank it you. out. Thank uh, you. Yeah, everybody go check out the Telegram too. Jump in the chats. And uh, thank you all the Slide Patreon through. members for signing up for the $3 a month. We appreciate you. And everybody else, go sign up for $3 a month and check out the show. Uh, I'm going to be a little doing a little revamp on Devil's Advocate. So expect some different perspectives on there coming up. I'm going to try to make it little little different so little revamp action and then uh what else we got going on that's what it is r yep f t a a a news 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 you can trust Angel dust. Angel dust. <laughs> For blab. <laughs> um, Who's starting it off today? You, Roman? Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, Elaine. You ready? Okay. Best ready. two out of three. One, two, three, go. Okay. One, <laughs> two, suck, dude. three, go. There's a lag. What? You guys Dude. can just change shit. <laughs> okay, one, we're tied. Two, three. One, two, three. Yay. Ha ha. All right, I go. <laughs> uh, by the way, everybody, that nobody that saw that because we're <laughs> yeah. doing an audio show. I just won with paper covered rock. So. <laughs> yeah. And then you got the big fat finger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, the bird. Um, the, bird. the divine the word. bird. Okay, so I wrote a little blurb and I got you wrote a articles blurb. that are relevant. I wrote a blurb. It's a small blurb, but wow. I've been trying to get into writing things because it's really fun. Here we go. This has been a fun month to go deep into the divine feminine. It's a term that gets used a lot in modern spiritual circles and definitely deeply embedded into most theologies. Yet, as here we stand in modern society, divine feminine seems esoteric and mysterious. Now, what is divine? It is of the heavens, etheric consciousness, cosmic and thick, gooey goodness. And what is feminine? Warmth, fire, water, flow, depth, creator, mother, light. So divine feminine is something like heavenly flow, conscious mother. 
And some people remember Jordan Peterson famously getting bashed by feminists for claiming feminine energy as chaotic. Yet he is referring to the fire of creation, the combustion of creation, the power of life. So if anything, it's a compliment. So when we talk about the divine feminine, we try to tie it into everything. It's a philosophy, a philosophical template to use in our daily lives, as is the understanding of the true nature of divine masculine. By working with these two in harmony, where balance and cohesion can create etheric combustion and energy of polarity. Now I'm going to read an article that goes into archetypal understanding, an overview of divine feminine goddess archetypes. Everybody has a mother. All embodied beings are born. And to be born means to have a mother. To have a human mother means to have a relationship to a person who brought us forth out of her body, who cared for us when we were at our most helpless and vulnerable. We were utterly helpless as infants, and she had not protected us, we would not be here. For most of us, she smiled at our open gaze and spoke sweet words to us. She wrapped us up when we were cold and comforted us when we were hurt or frightened. Above all, she fed us and kept us warm. The experiences that we had at the beginnings of our lives have created our deepest memories and associations. These are the rock of our consciousness and unconscious lives. Mother is the womb, the home, the beginning. She is the nest and we learn, we live with each other and we share our lives and livelihoods because we began our lives with a mother. We all have a deep psychological imprint of mother. Our biological makeup is designed to interact with a mother, even while still in the womb. Much of this instinct built into the structure of our bodies and nervous system. In fact, the primary relationship is the foundation of individual consciousness. Mother is more of a biological entity a creature that gives birth to us, she may not even be female. Males may function as mothers in certain circumstances, as may other family members or relatives. In nature, beings are born in all sorts of ways, not necessarily through a biological female. A certain kind of male frog, for example, receives the eggs from the female frog and then incubates the eggs and tadpoles until the baby frogs are born in the male side pouch. For humans, mother is an archetype. The relationship with a mother is part of our innate psychic makeup. We find someone on whom we can project the image and function of the mother, whether or not that person makes happens to be a biological mother. In this sense, we create our mothers as much as we create our mothers create us. We smile or cry or demand care of our mother as they respond the best that they can. When the processes of mothering goes as it should, she remains the center of our psyche. She is the great new being who has brought us psychically and psychologically into this world. Oh, sorry, physically and psychologically into this world. Now, never mind that. Uh, never mind for a moment that in our time and culture, the category of mother does not carry the universal meaning that it once may have. Real mothers can have problems with parenting. Many people have issues or problems with their parents or have misgivings about the mothering role that they themselves are expected to play. When our relationship with a mother is damaged or incomplete, we may feel damaged or incomplete as human beings. We may develop trust issues or suffer emotional traumas or stunted ability to love others. This said, shortcomings in real mothering are not necessarily relevant to meditation on mothering itself. Mothers give birth to each one of us. We have all been protected, nurtured, and taught by mothers, and the multicellular beings have been 
born from our mothers. This is true even for many organisms that are born from eggs. And even so-called bad mothers took care of us when we were at our most vulnerable and most helpless. On some pre-conscious level, we all remember this. No beings come from nothing. Life produces life. Life nurtures life. Life survives only by the grace and protection of mothers. This true, this truth is timeless and sacred, and it may not be confined to this life. Motherhood may be an aspect of having multiple lives. If you can accept the idea that there are more lives to live than just this one, then we have all been mothers. We have all given birth to other beings. The Buddhists like to say that there has been so many incarnations of every being in every conceivable situation and circumstance that in the countless eons of time, Every one of us has been a mother to every other one of us. And every one of us has been every other one of us as a mother. All of us are related to everyone else through being mothers. We are all linked in the most intimate and interdependent way. This is a sacred and beautiful concept. And if it seems preposterous or silly, just accept it as a poetic conceit. Meditate on it and contemplate it. Mother as Devi, the goddess. On a cosmic or universal level, we can relate to mother as a sacred being, as Devi. Devi, a term from the Hindu religion as a philosophy, means goddess. It is one of the terms or metaphors used when discussing the divine. Perhaps, most importantly, Devi is the archetype of mother as a primordial symbol in all cultures and at all times. It signifies the feminine aspect of divinity, God, or consciousness. What exactly is connotated by the term feminine depends upon what religion, philosophy, or spiritual disciple you are referring to. It has renewed resonance in New Age circles, invoking Celtic mystery goddesses, Hindu deities like Kali, Durga, ancient Mediterranean goddesses like Astarte, Aphrodite, Hecate, Earth mothers and gentle healing feminine archetypes of all descriptions. The archetype of mother includes... Other references or meanings. There is an awe and mystery about the divine feminine that includes mother, but also includes other forces that act upon us in our psychological and biological forms. She is Devi or Durga to the Hindus, the universal mother out of all which, out of which all other manifestations of the goddess originate. Devi is associated with death and transformation as much as she is associated with birth and protection. In the Hindu pantheon, she is part of a trinity of divine forces that include Shiva as a destroyer, Vishnu as a preserver, and Devi who embodies the creative or manifesting force in the universe. The Hindu concept of divinity offers differs from the Western notion of gods and goddesses associated with specific and limited powers and spheres of influence. Depending upon the philosophy or religious practice or region or scripture being considered Devi can be many goddesses as Pavarti. She is a consort of Shiva and in disguise as the great Lord of the universe, or she can be Kali, the process of destruction and dissolution as much, as much as the creation and preservation. The male deities, Vishnu, Braham and Shiva are metaphysical absolutes. Their feminine counterparts are experienced as Shakti, the creative expression of cosmic absolute. Shiva can be thought of as an unmanifest potential of the universe, the energy substratum out of this which time, space, casualty can come into being. Picture the image of Shiva Natvara 
and his cosmic dance of co- creation and destruction. Pravarti can be thought of as the force of Prakriti, the manifested universe of name and form. Think of her as she is portrayed in a Kola period bronze. Don't know what that is. Infinitely fallen voluptuous. She is nature, the world of senses. Shiva and Pravarti is two aspects of the same reality. In the way the West has devised a metaphor of matter and energy is two expressions of the same underlying reality. That was a article on archetypes of mother and divine feminine. Uh, I got one more article. Do you guys want to say anything about, about that? It's pretty interesting. Yeah, man. I thought that was uh, really good. I thought you actually read something really well for once and uh, didn't put any weird voices on it. <laughs> I thought it was uh, like quite, your po- your quite enjoyable. Blur. Actually, listen to it this time, and uh, thanks, Roman. I Thank thought that you, little, Roman. That little, I thought that little blurb that you put together at the beginning was really nice too. That was so beautiful. I know. Yeah. It's kind of it's really so it's really tying like everything together that we've kind of learned this whole month. So. Good job. There we go. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this this next article is really interesting. I think you're going to like this one. So, um, I don't know much about Lithuania except for this old um, friend of mine from Hawaii. Right? We uh, opened up a little cafe together, and like we were living at this spot, and he went out one day and he, he came, came back home and rushed in the house. He's like, dude, 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 we got to clean the house. I said, what's going on? He's like, we have some ladies coming over for dinner. They're vegans. So we got to clean the house. And I was like, what? And they, they were too tall, your, beautiful. all your animal carpets. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. If they, if they, if I would have had any, I would have been like, you leave them out. Cause you know, them Russians, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like them furs, but they were too tall. <laughs> no, you leave that shit out on the couch. Okay. Anywho, no, I hid all the stuff. Uh, we cleaned up. Now my friend has thus married this woman and has three babies with her. And so Ooh. I never really knew much about Lithuania. Um, but uh, as I as I met her and started to talk to her more about it, it's incredibly old uh, and beautiful uh, pagan religion and uh it's called ramuva or ramuva um and this article uh talks about how ancient lithuanian religion ramuva and the vedic gods are very similar as if they stem from the same religion so um i think that's pretty cool so the ramuva story is a particularly particularly interesting because of the well attested connections between lithuanian and sanskrit and the many details in which the Romuvan religion is similar to the Vedic. But what could be the basis of these connections? In this brief essay, I summarize the evidence and also provide some new parallels that were overlooked in previous studies. All of the European nations, Lithuania held onto its traditional religion the longest, nearly 1,000 years after the Roman Empire had embraced Christianity, and 400 years after the Slavs did the same. Lithuanians continued to perform their ancient rituals and keep the sacred fires burning. The conversion of Europe to Christianity was not a protracted affair. That doesn't concern us here. 
The Lithuanians resisted the Northern Crusades for a long time, but eventually the sacred fire was extinguished in Eastern Lithuania in 1387 and Western Lithuania in 1413. These changes affected nobility the most, and the conservative Lithuanian population secretly worshipped their gods several centuries more. The name Romuva was chosen in honor of the famous Baltic Prussian sanctuary Romuva, which was destroyed by the Christians. The sister religions in, in the region are Diaverti and Druwi. Romuva means temple, sanctuary, as well as abode of inner peace. But the name Romuva from the Baltic Ram, calm, serene, or quiet, which is identical to Sanskrit Ram, goes back the deepest resonances in Indo-European beliefs. When I was a young boy in Udampo, the first dead body I ever saw was on a bier carried on shoulders by men. They were walking quickly and chanting, Ram Nat Sat Hai. The name Ram is the only truth. I was puzzled by the chant until my father explained that Ram or Rama means the highest divinity. The Zoroastrians have a Ram Yasht and the specific worship of Rama is mentioned in Korda Avesta 2.9. The connections between Lithuanian and Sanskrit have been studied by linguists for decades. Some have used its archaic features to reconstruct the so-called Proto-Indo-European language, even though the earliest texts in Lithuanian are quite late. That is 1500 CE. In my view, the Proto-Indo-European project is methodologically flawed and in conflict with the recent DNA evidence. The connection between Lithuanian and Sanskrit could be explained by the fact that the Vedic people and culture have expanded into the region of Uttarakuru and Uttaramadra between the Caspian and Aral Seas. By the period of the Brahmana, uh, the Brahmanas, this expansion is stated in various Vedic and post-Vedic texts and is corroborated by Greek historians. The pressure from Turkic tribes must have been forced by many ethnic groups residing in this region to move further northwest towards Ukraine and the Baltic regions. Linguists are also attempting to examine the details of such expansion. Further research will give us stories behind parallels such as Sanskrit Mocha, which is pupil, and the Lithuanian Mokti, to teach the stylized swastika Sanskrit for savista or savistka <laughs> speaking Sanskrit over here uh, has been adopted as a symbol of remova. The Dharna Baltic culture is properly called Dharna, which means harmony as does the word Dharmi. And this meaning is identical to the Sanskrit Dharma, just as every role in the Vedic world has its Dharma. So does it in the Lithuanian world. The collection of individual dharmas goes on to define harmony at the cosmic level. An important symbol of the Ramuva is Ostracox. Ostris cox. Cox. <laughs> tree of dawn or tree of life. Sanskrit is Oska Coxa, which is another name for Kalaptru, the tree of life. The Ramuva cosmology sees Perkunas and Zimi as father and mother of all beings, which is identical to the characterization of Parayana and Kasama, the earth goddess, in the Arta Vavadia, or Vaveda, Arta Vaveda 
12.1.12 and 12.1 to 29. To my best of my knowledge, this astonishing parallel in the names together with the Vedic reference has not been mentioned by scholars. Deities. Some principal deities of the Remuva pantheon together with the Vedic equivalents are Divas in Lithuanian. Sanskrit is Dias, literally meaning heaven and is a general name for God and can be a synonym of the Brahman in many situations. Parkunas, and in Sanskrit is Parjuna, the god of thunder, father of all beings, an aspect of Indra. Most interestingly, Paryana or Parjana is seen as the son of Dias in the Rig Veda 7.1 to 0.2. Zimi and Zimyana, the earth goddess in Sanskrit, also means field. From this we get... That's written in another language. I'm sorry. Uh, from it also came Avistan Za, which led to Persian Zaman. Zemi's Mate is the Earth Mother. In Sanskrit, is Kasma Mata. We find that Diksam and Rig Veda uh, as a pairing of heaven and earth, also as a shot of Parjana and Sama. And the rest goes on to read a lot more. Uh, Sanskrit words, which are really hard. So I'm going to scroll down here to the Vedic system and then I'll finish up and wrap up. Some might object to my use of the term of Vedic rather than the conventional Indo-European in describing the Remuva language, religion. But the convention is quite wrong. The parallels are astonishing in details, including some that are being presented here for the first time. We don't have an entire set of names from the Vedic texts in Remuva. But let us note that much of the Lithuanian tradition was lost and what we know was created out of the unsympathetic Christian chronicles or the remembered, remembered folklore. Are we not just taking talking of names? There are significant parallels in the structures of the two, which is an even more important piece of evidence. In both the Ramuva and the Vedas, the highest divinity, Divas or Brahman, is neutral in the affairs of the world. There is duality in the experienced world, as represented by Perkuna's Vele, pair which mirrors the Vedic duality of Diva Asura. Other dualities likewise are the masculine and feminine deities, Perkuna's and Zeme or Parjana Sama, which are mirrored in the marriage of Saule Mueno and Sierra Soma. In the Vedic system, as in the Ramuva, these oppositions are complementary and therefore essential in defining the overall unity. The return to the old is also driven by a search for a spiritual basis of life, as in the Vedic tradition. The Vedic view is universal, consistent with science, and it claims to address the mystery of consciousness, which is the current frontier of organized knowledge. So, why I thought that was cool, and... A little relevant is because I was looking, I was just doing some research on, um, I wanted to do this whole episode on sun gods, mm. goddesses, and like why the Western hermetic religions are so fixated on the man and like, you know, it's just buff guys everywhere. It's just like buff dudes, buff naked dudes, you know, <laughs> and uh, not a lot of, not a lot of women, you know, uh, or goddesses. And then in that search, I started looking up, you know, um, the the Veda stuff and then I found that article and then it kind of was synchromistic in the sense that I was just talking to my buddy who married the Lithuanian lady and I was just like wow you know Lithuania has a deep pagan you know history and it's been you know ridden with uh you know Christian uh 
the Christian takeover after, you know, after Europe got sw- fucking swapped out with it. And, uh, you know, I think it's cool that they are making those connections to the Vedas because I, I think that the, the Vedas has real, real truths in there about the, the human origin stories, you, you know, even though a lot of them are very theatrical and drama, dramatized. Like I think that, um, you know, they, they held on to a lot of that, like Atlantean golden age technology and stuff. And they're, they're referencing a lot of that there through the Vedas. So it's an important thing. And anyways, I'm done. Uh, please. Well, thank you, Roman. Appreciate it. Elaine, what you, what you got for RFTA news? Oh, well, I thought today I'd talk about sexual dysfunction and nice. some natural herbs uh, that are aphrodisiacs. Oh, excellent. Something a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah. Um, sexual dysfunction is a serious medical and social symptom that occurs in 10 to 52% of men and 25 to 63% of women. So it actually occurs more than women than in men, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Usually you just hear about like men not being able to get it up and they're the bad ones yeah. and they're the cause of all the problems and whatever, whatever, but it's actually women. So maybe we're, we're the problem because we're just like laying there being like mean bitches and dry yeah, up whatever. like Salt Lake. <laughs> whatever the case is. <laughs> oh. Oh, Lord. That sounds like a personal Alrighty. story, right? Yeah, personal story. It's Talking a joke. about it's personal. A joke. It's a I joke. Know. Relax. Anyhow, alrighty. So, so we got the date palm. You guys know what the date palm is, right? It's a tree. Yeah. Um. So the pollen that of produces the date dates. Palm, it sure does, baby. That's uh, that's the yeah. app Roman uses. Date. Palm. Oh my lord, date palm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, thanks. You should um, try some of this though, because it also boosts um, your energy quality. It also increases the weight of your testes. Yikes! Pretty cool. My balls are honestly pretty heavy, to be honest yeah. with you. Sometimes I'm, I'm over. <laughs> I'm like kind of like I limp oh. sometimes. I'm like, God, if I could just walk normal, my balls are so heavy. I need to drain these puppies. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, I thought that that was pretty interesting. I had never heard that before. I didn't know that you could increase the weight of your ball sack. So I don't know. I thought that that might be useful. I I don't know. I so know this is the useful. the pollen of the of the date palm tree. It's it's not the fruit, and it's the pollen. Yeah. So it's just like dried, mix wow. it with smoothies or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I take pine pollen every day. I I'm I'm into pollen. I I I think. Well, hey, that's hey, that's on my list too. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up. Nice. <laughs> Actually, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. No, pine pollen though also is a natural aphrodisiac. And um, Mm -hmm. it can be found all over the world in northern climates. And um, you can actually ingest the pollen of all of the different species of trees, not just certain ones like uh, like normally, like you can only eat beneficial ones. And and yeah, there's certain certain species. But uh, 
the pine pollen uh, of harvesting pine pollen you gotta fucking do like some of them produce like more like the one in front of our house like luckily enough like produces a lot and then i found this one on the road and i was like oh my god and i ran over to it and there was like none and i was like damn you i mean there's a little bit but a dear sweet lord i'm sorry i derailed but some trees did you know that pine pollen actually contains natural testosterone yes yeah so it helps uh stabilize the estrogen and testosterone balance in men and women so i thought that that was pretty cool yeah then can calm calm them down a little bit (laughs) uh clava was an isolated bind generally used for treating infections arthritis and digestive inflammation but it's also an aphrodisiac clava hawaska Clavo Hawaska. Clavo. Clavo Hawaska. Clavo. Okay. Clavo Hawaska. Excellent. Uh, that's exactly what I said, correct? Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it has a stronger effect on women than compared to men, but um, it can be used for both sexes. And it contains uh, eugenol, which is the main ingredient, and another herb that is also an aphrodisiac, which is nutmeg. Oh. Um, yeah. Is so, that why they call it nutmeg? I think so. <laughs> I just heard. Yeah. I-, I was watching a cooking show yesterday, and they were making hot dogs, and they were saying, Nutmeg is responsible for the flavor of hot dogs. Well, that makes 100% sense then. Sprinkle yeah. nutmeg on the hot dog and yeah. then you got yeah. a perfectly yeah. edible wiener. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's why I thought it was funny. Yeah. Oh, perfect. And then Claire. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyways, um, also... American ginseng is another um, aphrodisiac. Um, it's similar to the Asian ginseng, uh, but it has a different ratios of the active ingredients. So it's a slightly different, but it's good for uh, libido um, and weakness and adrenal fatigue and burnout. So a lot of people have um, sexual dysfunction because they're stressed out, whatever the case is. So it also helps with your adrenal glands and to de-stress you and to just like relax you. Um, what gland, ginger like, is people mainly, get tapped the fuck out. They don't even know. I'm going to tap you out and keep interrupting me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, they're there. I, 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 I'm just agreeing. <laughs> and then sometimes I say things, that agree, but then the lack makes it hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. But adrenal glands are important because some people are like, why am I so fatigued? I why am I so tired? Because your adrenal glands are tapped out, bud. Oh, yeah. You're just the all-knowing estrogen, testosterone magician, huh? All right. No. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. You're the wizard. Yeah, absolutely. You're the wizard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways. All right. All right. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, so white ginger is mainly found in West Africa, and it's used to treat erectile dysfunction also, and it increases sperm count, so you can have lots of babies. Ooh. Yeah, that's perfect. Excellent. Um, jam- yeah, Jamzad is from the Middle East, and it's actually part of the mint family. Mm. So you extract Ooh. the oil. 
Yeah. And um, it actually protects your reproductive system also. Um, they've tested it in mice and uh, apparently it like aids as a barrier between outside toxins that could affect your reproductive system. What what was that called again? Oh, Jamzad. Jamzad. Jam yeah. Okay. J-A-M-Z-A-D. J-A-M-Z-A-D. Yeah. I don't okay. know how else to pronounce it. No, that's fine. It, uh, you're kind of cutting out a little bit in the audio on my side. Oh. So I, I, I couldn't understand what you said. I was, I was just clarifying. Oh, sorry. Okay. It's called Jim's yes, dad. Jim's dad. Jim's dad Jim's is dad. a great aphrodisiac. <laughs> yeah. And it's an Good to know. <laughs> I know. But yeah, that increases sperm count and testosterone levels too. And then uh, ashwagandha. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that. It's in the Ayurvedic medical system. And um, it's primarily... Uh, a stress reliever and it's for adrenal burnout also. So um, it basically just relaxes you and increases mm-hmm. libido um, and fertility and it helps with chronic stress. Excellent. So that's good. Yeah. And then um, I have horny goat weed too. I thought that that would be a good one. Um, and that's actually where I got its name from, from a Chinese farmer. Uh, they noticed that the herd of goats was, uh, uh, or were eating the horny goat weed and then they significantly increased their sexual activity mm. after eating the plant. But we can't really eat it because our, our stomach has low ability to down. They do use it, but they just mix it with other stuff. Mm. So, anyways, that's what I got for you guys today. Cool. Thank you. That was a, an amazing list of. Uh, of um uh dick pills <laughs> yeah dick pills some of them are gonna go into my sacral, serious sacral hot sauce yeah yeah you, you can put vanilla yeah. in there too that's oh, actually one. okay what out of those ingredients oh yeah vanilla is a nice smooth aphrodisiac that's a good idea okay yeah. all right let's and create well, a sacral see, oh we'll, we'll talk about this later okay yeah 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 sure. we're gonna we, we should edit out all the terrible things i said <laughs> I said some terrible things back there. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, I have a <laughs> my little my little uh, thing today is on uh, the snake symbolism and meaning. Uh, when we talked to Liza, we talked a little bit about snakes and their symbolism, and so I wanted to talk a little bit more about it and and get a little bit more in depth. Uh, this comes from. Ironically, from worldbirds.com. And it was written by uh, Garth Clifford. Uh, snake symbolism and meaning. Uh, snakes being so close to the ground represent the earth. Snake symbolism also stands for something evil, negative, and even caustic words or innuendos of people around you. Since they shed their skin, they also symbolize transformation and rebirth. Let us study what does a snake symbolize in detail. Snakes hold a certain fascination for humans. They have the the ability to shed their skins and seemingly emerge reborn. So they are identified with a symbol of regeneration and immortality. The snake, demon, or serpent god in mythology represents fertility in many cultures. In many cultures, snake meaning is God and the snake symbol is worshipped. However, snakes also spew venom, bite people, and can destroy, hence the role is that of a creator as well as a destroyer. 
snake goddess is associated with fertility and motherhood. In the Bible, the snake is pure evil, and as it tempts Adam and Eve, it is called the principle of evil. Because it lives close to the ground, the snake is the emblem of the nurturing earth and also the unknown perils of the underworld. Snakes also have different mystical meanings. Entwined snakes mean, uh, in entwined snakes meaning is God's Mercury's caduceus, which is a symbol of the medical community. When asked what the word snake brings to mind, most people, irrespective of their religion, would answer evil or fear. Christian Muslims and Jews uh, would inevitably use the word evil to describe the snake's meaning. The scholarly world would use the word sinful, deceptive, or dangerous to describe snake symbolism. In many parts of the world, snakes and serpents are also symbols of sex. Snake Native American symbolism. In the Southwest, many tribes associated snakes with flashes of lightning and associated snakes with speed and feared their deadly power. The snake clan of the Hopi had the water snake as their emblem, and the images of it are found on many rocks. Many tribes are carried out the ritual of the snake as it was believed to protect the tribe on their hikes and hunts. The elders believed the snakes was a symbol of life and rebirth. As a result, snakes made their appearance in many sand paintings and healing ceremonies. Furthermore, they believed that the snake was linked to secrets, fertility, rain, and healing. The snake also became a symbol of renewal as it was embraced life and death. The Navajo believe that the white snake stands for dawn or the east. The yellow snake stands for dusk or west. The black snake, which embodies the dark, represents the north. And the blue sky embodies the sky and hence the south. What does a serpent symbolize in dreams? According to Native American philosophy, the elders believe the snake dreams meaning is that you have an enemy. So if you end up killing the snake in your dreams, it means good luck. Snake Eastern symbolism. In India, the snakes are worshipped during the holy month of Shravan. Snakes or cobras are also fed milk, and it is prohibited to kill the snake in that month. The Nagas are the serpent spirits that inhabit the underworld. They have their origin in ancient snake cults of India, which probably date back to the early Indus Valley civilization. In many songs, myths, and legends, both in India and elsewhere, the snake or serpent symbolizes the soul or life essence. In Japan, there is an emphasis on the life-giving nature of the snake deity, um, and the Japanese connect the snake with the agrarian worship of rice and the water god. The Ainu of Japan worships the Ophidian deity, uh, Kanashet Kamui, the spirit chief of all serpents, who is pro Pitiated by women who suffer emotional upsets or bodily ailments, believed to have been caused by dreams of serpents. In China, though, snakes and serpents symbolize um, evil. Uh, in China, though, snakes and serpent symbolism means evil, cunning, and psychophancy. The Chinese believe that elves, fairies, and demons often transform themselves into snakes. It is considered a bad omen to kill a snake that has made a dwelling in your home. To purchase a snake and free it in the wild is a good deed that will not go unrepaid. Snake Christianity symbolism. Throughout the Bible, the snake or serpent symbolizes the devil or Satan that leads the whole world astray. Therefore, when a man or a nation is called a snake, it means that it's wicked. 
in Jeremiah 15:34 it says like a serpent he has swallowed us and filled his stomach with our delicacies and then spewed us out when the hebrews lived in egypt they encountered snake charmers there so moses worked his god ordained sorcery to counter theirs egyptian art shows snakes in the form of headdresses statues on urns and pottery when the children of israel were in the wilderness they encountered venomous snakes and died of their bites after they begged moses to save them god asked him to put a snake on a pole so anyone bidden could look at it and live the healing power became the symbol of medicine the caduceus which is a combination of the greek and hebrew imagery the bible also asks a man to cast aside the old skin just like the snake does and cast off their off the old for christ in the old testament the snake is blamed for the fall tempting eve to pick the forbidden fruit snake celtic symbolism you have something to say Oh, I was going to, I, I turned on the mic and then I heard it make a little noise and I was like, oh, I should probably just wait, but, right. uh, I'm going to wait because <laughs> I had something to say. It's snaky. I'm going to save it, baby. Okay. Pull back uh, snake. Snake Celtic symbolism. In early Irish literature, there are legends connecting snakes with treasure. Despite the absence of these reptiles from Ireland, in many ancient Celtic mythologies, the sea serpents are said to have been defeated by the gods on high seas. The dragon slain by Perseus was a water beast, and in Celtic literature, it is said that St. Patrick d- drove all the snakes out of Ireland, but left the peasts, pests in general term for ser- serpents, ordering them to remain in the caves. Early representation of snakes was seen as zigzag lines and seen in the earliest evidence of Hallstatt period vessels. In Celtic symbolism, snakes are seen not as a type of animal, but as a multifaceted symbol that represents the idea of the creation process. Here too, their ability to shed their skin symbolizes rebirth. Snakes represent the male reproductive organ and also produce a large number of offspring. As a result, they symbolize fertility. Their poison is deadly, and yet it can stand as a symbol of healing, just as the saliva and breath of a dog. Snakes can impregnate women when she swallows a snake in the form of a worm and is associated with a water cult. The snake represents protection, as seen in the uh, Kinkobar's story, where he holds the worms that impregnate his mother. Closely related to this is a snake's role as a guardian. Snake medicine. Snake medicine is an ally to assist you when you are in the process of awakening your awareness of the parts of you that need healing are you a transformative state are there emotional spiritual or physical aspects of you that need healing are your layers of consciousness peeling away then call upon the snake medicine snakes transformative powers will support you as you go below the surface of emotions and perceptions just as a snake molts away its skin you may be presented with an opportunity to peel layers that are worn off or unnecessary aspects of your life. When a snake slithers in your life, examine all aspects of your life, whether people or situations, and see if you can slew off these pesky individuals or belief systems. Snakes' medicines make you sensitive to fragrances and odors and odors, and also improves your intuitive abilities. The snake symbol is making its presence felt in your life, for it wants you to awaken and realize the parts of your consciousness. Snake medicine is a supportive aid when you are studying Kudalini or Tree of Life or Kabbalah. 
meditate on the Kudalini force, which is a dormant or sleeping serpent within each of us located at the base of the spine. Once you awaken the serpent, there is no looking back and your life will positively transform in all areas. Snake and dream. Snake meanings and dreams usually means fear or transformation. Dreaming of a snake is a sign that you are afraid of something in your waking life, or it could be forewarned of changes to come. Whether you dream about a snake in your house or getting bitten by a snake, the meaning behind the dream depends on your real life personal situation. Some common meanings of snakes include fear, transformation, sex, evil, or fertility. Keep in mind, too, that different cultures and religious um, Keep in mind that different cultures and religions ascribe different symbolic meanings to the snake. Native Americans believe that dreaming of snakes means that you have an enemy, but in the same dream, if you end up killing a snake, it means you will have good luck. A snake or serpent symbol occurs when the dreamer is attempting to come to terms with his or her instinctive self. Inevitably, this has to do with the recognition of harnessing of energies that have been supported and thwarted. Since sex is the most primeval urge, snakes and dreams represent sexuality. Snake entwined around your body may mean bondage. A snake in grass may be an indication of trickery or evil. Snake with its tail in the mouth means the connection of a spiritual and physical self. Snake encounters and omens. Snake is believed to be the most deadly reptile and perhaps out of fear it is called Nagdefta or the snake god. The Hindus worship the black cobra because it forms the garland around Lord Shiva's neck. Snakes, especially king cobras, are believed to be custodians of treasures, so encountering snakes in forests may mean that there is treasure nearby. Be careful, though. You do not want to get bitten. A snake approaching you on your journey means that an enemy is nearby. When entering a town, you end up seeing a snake on your right side. It means that victory is on your side. However, a black snake on your left side is inauspicious. People of Thailand believe that if a snake enters the house, it is a sign that someone in the family will die soon. In some cultures, though, encountering a snake means you should prepare for symbolic death and rebirth. It means you need to shed some of old aspects of your personality or life situation and exchange it for something that will be more valuable in the future. Stand firm and in balance. Visualize and meditate on the snake's healing and transformative power to tide you through snake mythology and folklore african snake mythology come to north america through slavery the myth of the joint snake that could reemerge whole after being hacked into pieces became the symbol of strength for african slaves as they endured cruel hardships at the hands of the white slave owners in hinduism village serpent gods often perceive the spirits rather than living serpents are still worshipped today This worship is directed toward goals of immortality, fertility, the womb, and curing children's diseases, snake bites, and other infectious diseases. Hindus also fear and revere the snake because Lord Shiva carries a snake wrapped around his neck. Snakes play a profound role in witchcraft as familiars, companions, teachers, and transmitters of magic, guardians of knowledge, and as witches themselves, transformed or otherwise. Ukrainian word for which is synonymous with snake. Snakes feature widely in Japanese mythology. The Japanese believe that snakes are messengers of Ryujin. Snakes are considered a minor sort of dragon. Shinto priests and devout people avoid harming snakes found in the residences. 
Snakes also figure prominently in several Chinese myths. There's a Chinese myth about the big snake that devours elephants and takes three years to disgorge their bones. Gentlemen can take a dose of this snake to never suffer from heart disease. A uh, snake has a spirit animal. The serpent's meaning as a spirit animal is that of transformation and change. Few, few creatures embody the process of spiritual transformation so well as a snake must repeatedly shed its skin in order to grow. A snake is also a powerful healer and a symbol of death and rebirth, and medicine works through sexuality, reproduction, alchemy, and through accepting change. A snake is a protector, a symbol of femininity, and it is intimately associated with the soul's journey toward self-realization. A snake spirit animal can be your guide, mentor, guardian, and healer. It is a power that unifies, heals, harmonizes, integrates, and transforms. If you are wondering what does a serpent mean spiritually, then the answer is kundalini, the hidden or dormant snake energy within all of us. That is why our spines are shaped like snakes. When a snake appears as a spirit animal, you may be about to step into the unknown and need guidance. The snake is asking you to move forward with faith and remain grounded as it does. It is also asking you to look at important facts and dynamics that are impacting your life, whether the snake spirit animal in your dreams has left a positive or negative impression. Its presence should be considered as an invitation to look at positive changes. Snake totem animal. Although snake is poisonous and has been used in the Christian tradition as a symbol of evil, in the Druid and other tradition, it represents healing and the power of transformation. It is a rare person who gets a snake and his or her totem. It means that the individual is already highly developed on all levels. He or she is strong-willed, vibrant, and sensitive to all kinds of energies. A snake totem can be uh, someone who has a near-death experience, uh, such as the individual might want to learn about the spiritual practices and indigenous groups. They may want to dwell in the metaphysical and might wish to understand ancient knowledge. Uh, Vibes. This goes on a little bit more. It talks about some stuff. I'll just go to the conclusion. Uh, as can be seen, snake symbolism and snake meaning change from culture to culture. In most scenarios, though, it means transformation and rebirth. Snake is also a symbol of the devil or Satan, but can also represent healing. It can even symbolize feminine power, Mother Earth, and the soul itself. The snake is a wise creature, and its presence in your life, whether through dreams, real encounters, or as tattoos, should usually mean a symbolic transform transformative and healing experience is on the horizon. Uh, somebody wrote this as a comment. They said, I started a fascination with snakes. It's the cl closest symbol to the divine feminine. Women should wear a snake ring. I already designed one with a good friend of mine. I will say something. It is pure power, wisdom, rebirth, healing, protection, spiritual courage, awakening. It brings you the closest to Mother Earth you will ever feel. Wow. <laughs> oh, a snake wow. ring. That's kind of like Ouroboro. It'd be like a, that'd be cool. I want yeah. one. <laughs> I'll take I think, two. I think like Cleopatra famously had a snake ring or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like there's, I mean, I love that because there's, they, that article went all over, like it covered all the regions of snake. Yeah. That was that was nice. That one thing I was going to say in the middle, I had like a a little thought because um, when I was a kid, my favorite movie was Aladdin, you uh -huh. know, and Jafar had the classic like uh, 
you know, the snake staff and it was, it would be used to enchant people. And he was like a master alchemist. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. That movie was so good. That, that movie was so occult. It's crazy. But wow. I love that beautiful. movie. That and then, what about, what about the snakes, uh, in astro astrology? Like, is, is it the, there's yeah. like a, uh, a, a sky snake that goes around the clock or something? Does anyone know anything about, I don't know. Well, the, the 13th, the 13th zodiac is a fucus and that's yeah. the snake bear. And holding two holding snakes. Snake. Yes. Yeah. Holding yeah. One snake. <clears throat> yeah. What about a dragon? Are dragons are snakes too, right? Technically, sometimes uh, dragons can be snakes interpreted. Maybe. Yeah, or serpent, serpent style. Yeah. Like they said in here, like a snake yeah. is considered like a lesser, like dragon or serpent. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So they have some somewhat the same symbolism. Like I know that dragons have a symbolism of like imminent danger. Uh, that danger is coming. If you see a dragon, like you're it's supposed to be a scary thing, uh, usually because it's not your dragon and it's probably somebody else's that's coming to fuck you up, like in like Game, <laughs> Game of Thrones or something like that. You know, when they see dragons, yeah. like, oh shit, Gotta go. <laughs> something bad's about to happen. The Chinese zodiac still has a dragon in off. it. Uh, sometimes uh, oh, the, they're associated with like comets and stuff like that too. Uh, that they see in the sky. Uh, so it could have that symbolism. And then there's a, a Jormunger uh, from Norse mythology. And that's like the, the world snake or Midgard serpent. Yeah. Chinese astrology is the only astrology that still has a dragon. Yeah. They, they still celebrate oh, the so dragon. I wonder if that, that has anything to do with um the lost goddess kind of thing, like where the Western world has gotten rid of the dragon and they've also gotten rid of the goddess. Yeah. Divine feminine because the dragon could be with the fire, the chaos, you know, that type of energy dragon, I guess would be most, mostly feminine. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what I said in that it's associated with fertility and uh, the divine uh, feminine. Uh, also, another symbolization of it, it too is uh, snakes crawl across the earth, right? They like slither across the land. Slither. And so that gives it like the mother earth. It's like the closest to the earth that you could possibly be. That's why mm -hmm. it's associated with divine femininity because mother earth is Gaia. So uh, that's why it has such a close symbolism. But if mother earth is his grandma is the sun mom and the moon dad like yeah. i think the, the trinity is kind of like uh the sun the sun the moon and earth the earth yeah yep there you go here's liza gupta uh talking to, to us about divine femininity and hinduism chakras and all kinds of other good stuff enjoy beautiful things and wake up. wake up How could one not have loved her great still eyes? Tonight I can write the saddest lines. To think that I do not have her. To feel that I have lost her. To hear the immense night, still more immense without her. 
and the verse falls to the soul like dew to the pasture. What does it matter that my love could not keep her? The night is starry and she... My soul is not satisfied that it has lost her. My sight tries to find her as though to bring her closer. My heart looks for her and she is not with me. The same night whitening the same trees. We of that time are no longer the same. Listening to Rising from the Ashes podcast. What does it matter that my love could not keep her? My sight tries to find her as though to bring her closer. I'm Dan Unaki Dan. I'm the homie Romy. Hello and good day. Hello, hello. We're joined today again by my sister Elaine. How's it going, Elaine? How's it going, guys? Good, good, good. And today we're also joined by Liza Gupta. She's a Reiki healer and I don't know what else. She does many things, <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm uh, a counseling psychologist, and I'm a tarot reader, and I'm a Reiki healer as well. Yeah, many hats. All many the hats. good things. All the good things. Yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we love that. Um, tell the, Yeah, t- go ahead and tell the people a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do, and uh, just give them a little bit, bit of background on you. So, uh, hi guys, my name is Lisa. I'm from India and 
I have completed my master's in psychology recently. So I'm a counseling psychologist. I've been doing tarot for three years now. So I do intuitive tarot reading. And now I have started using tarot in my counseling sessions as well. Because I see tarot as more of a guiding tool rather than something that predicts your future. And other than that, I'm a Reiki healer. So I'm a master healer. I've completed three levels in Reiki. I don't do it professionally. Reiki, but I do believe in giving Reiki, free Reiki to all the animals and all the people who need it. So, yeah, specifically animals, I would say. Oh, that's beautiful. I've witnessed uh, a dog receive Reiki healing before. And I'll tell you what, animals can actually see that energy. They do have that kind of psychic abilities that they can see it receiving. Wow. Wow. That's is cool. it? Be, do you think it has to do Never with their before, to vibratory be resonance, or what? What? How? What do you think on the animal consciousness allows them to um, be more? Um, I guess uh, able to see that type of energy field. Yeah, because uh, you know uh, what I have experienced, I've seen is if I'm giving Reiki to myself, or and say for example, I'm sitting in balcony and a cat comes, or maybe even a dog comes, they can actually come. They'll sit by my side and they'll just lie down. They can feel it, they can see it, and once they've done, you know, once they feel that yeah, I've got you know enough Reiki, I'm done with it, I've got that healing, they'll just move away very quietly. So that's how it happens. Even the cows, I give Reiki every day to my cow. So I have a cow that comes and visits me every day and I <laughs> give it to her. So wow. it's it's very calming and it's therapeutic, not just for the animals, but for you as well. The person who's giving Reiki. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I never yeah. even thought about like how animals could receive that. or, um, it, I mean... Yeah, I guess it's just out of my peripheral, but you like even people talk about baby massage or baby chiropractic. I'm like, what? What do they need that for? But it's actually really good for them to uh, have yeah, those things also. Is. So, and you know, about talking about animals, they also have their emotional traumas. They also have their yeah. emotional issues, and there's nobody to you know uh, talk to them. They can't go for therapy sessions and whatnot. So I think <laughs> something. <laughs> so I think this is a good alternative for them to get and receive healing and be a better, you know, conscious and a better living being on this planet. Yeah, yeah. I just seen a picture of you. You went to a, a temple. Can you tell us about that temple? Yeah, so that temple is in Solon, which is in Kapoli, and it's the temple of Lord Shiva, the one which we okay. call divine masculine and uh it says that you know the, uh, so it's the tallest temple and you know what's the height of the temple it's one 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 feet oh really triple one feet tall and it is the highest temple in the asia on the mountains lord shiva has been there and it said you know it's a, a myth that People around the villagers and people around who are living there, they actually hear the sound of Damru. So basically, Damru is an instrument which Shiva uh, carries with him, like all the time. So that is one thing that, and it is 
very beautiful temple like really beautiful and they have a natural uh, cave as well where they used to uh, some sadguru uh, not sadguru the sadguru which we are aware of not that one but saint some saint was there who meditated there and maybe for 30 years or something after the uh, 1947 freedom that we got india got so yeah that's the story of this temple I guess I have, I have a question about the. I have a question about um, the uh, the the temples there because they're they have a very specific, beautiful design, um, and a lot of them have um, kind of like bell shaped, um, and they have like a just a beautiful shape. Is there a history behind these temples having um, like? superior source energy like is it a resonance that happens within these temples do you feel a type of energy is it is it easier to tap into a psychic energy there and have um gurus of the past um or mystics um yeah, there is i mean i think it's not just about the temples in india but it's about any holy place for that matter mm-hmm. you know even if you go to a church if you go to a mosque or temple any holy place you will find that uh, energy you will feel that energy be it psychic energy or any spiritual energy for that matter because the aura of that particular place is so strong you know it's been spread it for you know till kilometers so it's not just about temples in india it's about everywhere and it's about the intentions as well now talking about the priest i have a different uh, perception about the priest in any um, you know holy place for that matter because there are priests who won't be as spiritual as we are because their path is completely different our path is completely different so i think it's more about the temple it's more about the energy and it's less about the priest over there some are very very they have like really strong psychic energies and some are there who are not at all you know into religiousness they are not into spirituality they are just doing just for the sake of it because they have you know their parents have told them to sit there and do so and so rituals and stuff like that but they don't know what they are doing they don't know why they are doing and it's not just about here it's about everywhere so it's not about the priest not all priests are you know very pure i would say yeah so i think and yeah the more um, old the temple is or any holy place is the biggest the bigger will be the aura of that place so mm. that's how it goes i have one more question just regarding kind of like um ancient india and that temple resonance and stuff when i uh look up ancient india and the artifacts of um the holy people that would um you know uh, spiritual practitioners and whatnot they they had a lot of gold and a lot of uh a lot of like conductive material and like what i have experienced with conductive material on the body um it actually like enhances <clears throat> our our energy as well have you is, is there um a practice that you've seen in india or like these certain tools that the gods have used or spiritual um healers have used that helps like enhance the type of healing qualities or um 
anything like that um, i i won't be able to answer this question in that kind of a depth that you're looking but i can certainly tell you why we wear so many ornaments so for example if i'm wearing so uh, there's something known as kamar band so you wear it on your waist and why do females wear it on their waist is to increase their sensuality you know oh, wow. uh, to increase their creativity so that's why we wear it on our kamar your waist because your waist has is related to your sacral chakra and your solar chakra which is related to your creativity mm. how you embrace your feminine side right so that is one thing so for example we also wearing in our uh, fingers toe fingers so what happens is uh, that one finger the second finger of your toe is actually connected to your uterus a female's uterus really? so if you're wearing that yeah if you're wearing that silver ring in your second uh, finger uh, your uterus will always be healthy you won't face any kind of a problem so that is something you know there are so many jewelries that we wear there are so many ornaments that we wear but why do we wear it yeah that's something one should know and you know people even in india people don't know why uh, you know why we wear kamarban and stuff like that because it has become more of a fashion thing and less of something about uh, you know getting into spirituality or why you wear it and stuff like that so this is something that i think everyone should talk about because it has a lot of secrets it has a lot of meaning as well and if you tap into that I think you will make the best use of it, not just for the females, even for the males. I think I yeah I I feel it because I had my mind blown and my spirit massaged when I was getting into meditation with some good friends, and we would you know lie down on the big bed in the living room, and uh, you know everyone would lie down, and then we would put um, some of our favorite rocks and crystals on our chakra points. And lay down and everybody would breathe and meditate together. And I mean, compared to, you know, doing meditation alone without the crystals, I, I, I've had great experiences, but with it, we were all resonating the same colors. We would try to think of colors and send them to each other and it worked, you know, it took a while to get there, but, um, and so I, I'm a firm believer in, things that can enhance our bodies, spiritual and psychic abilities. Um, and I think it's part of our deeply embedded human history that, that we're unaware of. Uh, but thank you for that because India is so rich in history and culture uh, that, you know, there's a lot of questions I have and I don't get to talk to a lot of people that live there. So I just had a couple of those questions and thank you. Uh, I'm going to pass it off to Dan. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, how the the lower chakra is the sacred chakra. Chakra. I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit more because I find that to be uh, interesting. Because we think of the lower chakra as the the like the lower frequency, uh, and, and so it, it seems like the crown chakra would be the higher chakra. But t- so tell us why the the lower chakra is the sacred one. All right. So uh, you know. Uh- not uh, if we talk about chakras there's no single chakra which we can say is a low vibrational chakra that would be uh. something wrong to say that because if i talk about your root chakra sacral and your solar chakra how i see it i see it as shakti 
and if i talk about my throat chakra my third eye chakra and my crown chakra that is my shiv and my heart chakra is where my shiv and shakti meets the sacred union mm. so in order to meet in order to meet my shiv i'll have to make sure that my root my sacral and solar all the three chakras are aligned right so uh, someone i met someone some guru and they told me about some alpha gamma rays so what happens is when you're uh, operating on your root chakra solar and sacral chakra you are talking about your alpha rays okay and if you are talking about your throat heart and third eye and crown you are talking about your gamma rays so all of us mostly uh, all of us are actually operating just on root sacral and solar chakras and there also there's a lot of uh, you know uh, i would say a lot of complications because if i talk about root chakra like you said people take it as a chakra which is very low vibrational why do they take it because for um, if i talk about root chakra it is also about your materialistic success right but root chakra is also about removing obstacles if i talk about lord ganesha lord ganesha is the son of shiv and shakti shiv and parvati so lord uh, ganesha removes those obstacles and root chakra will bring any kind of security be it emotional stability or security financial security anything and if that goes in excess if you're just running uh, you know after money money success success obviously you will be called someone who is a very low a vibrational person or being right so uh, now talking about your sacral chakra sacral chakra is about your emotions all right it's about how you see yourself how you embrace yourself or your self esteem your self doubts your confidence all of that comes under your sacral chakra so if you're not really operating on your sacral chakra if you think that your sacral chakra is not balanced obviously we will call it a chakra which is low vibrational right if you are confident if you are authentic if you are someone who you are then you will obviously rise above you will go upwards now coming to your solar chakra so solar chakra is also related to sun your leadership skills your courage all of that your activity if you're lazy obviously your solar chakra will be Uh, not balanced unbalanced again low vibration but if you're active not too active again the balance is very important mm. any chakra may it be that balance is very very important that balance you can say is the union of shiva and shakti so that union has to happen in every chakra of yours be it any chakra so that's how it happens now if i talk about your let's talk about throat chakra rather than heart chakra so throat chakra is about your expressions how you express even if there is anger how are you expressing that anger of yours how are you channelizing that anger of yours so expressing is very important and what we see is uh, especially in spirituality what i have seen is um if you're someone who is spiritual if you're someone who is into meditations you will be expected that you know you can't lash out you can't express your anger you can't get angry at all but that's not how it is even shiva used to get angry tandav what we call you may have uh, you know heard a lot yeah. of tandav music as well so that is shiva showing or channelizing anger in a different way 
so that anger every emotion is very important which we learn in our throat chakra about how we express that particular emotion of ours now talking about your third eye chakra so third eye chakra is all about your manifestations how you see things your perception your belief system your intuition everything has your uh, it is uh, contained in your uh, third eye chakra so i believe your third eye chakra and your root chakra are somehow connected because whatever you're going to manifest you're going to see in reality which is your root mm. chakra yeah right so i feel that your root chakra and your third eye should be very very balanced and connected to each other because if you're going to think something negative if you're not going to manifest if you will be having blocks in your third eye chakra automatically your root chakra will be disbalanced automatically you will be called someone who is low vibrational and automatically you will manifest things which are not good for your higher self or something that you don't want and then crown chakra is of course your chakra which connects you with the universe the god the source whatever you may want to call it your higher consciousness so that is your crown chakra so for in order to reach crown chakra which is your shiv shakti has to go up and making sure that all your chakras are aligned so shakti does that shakti makes sure that every chakra is aligned every chakra is balanced okay and shakti makes sure that shakti is authentic if there's no authenticity shakti will never be able to meet shiv why do we say that in twin flame relationships you have to focus on yourself you have to love yourself because until and unless you won't love yourself until and unless you won't heal your traumas your wounds how will you be able to meet your source because for meeting your source you have to be aware enough there that awareness that consciousness has to be very strong and it can only happen when there are no traumas when there are no issues when there is no negative blocks around you or inside your body so that's how it is yeah that's beautiful this kind of reminds me of like that saying you know you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else because absolutely yeah you have to you have to have that good vibration as well and if you if you don't even love yourself how can you love anyone else uh that's beautiful yeah uh yeah uh is there like you you were talking about shiv and shakti are there any other gods or goddesses associated with each chakra point uh just the chakra point or uh you know just like shiv and shakti you're talking about Okay. Okay. Chakra point. Yeah, there are many gods and goddesses. Like uh, in Hinduism, there are around crores and crores of gods and goddesses. All right. Yeah. So definitely, there are many gods and goddesses related to your chakra points. So, for okay. example, if I talk about your heart chakra, so your heart chakra is related to uh, goddess Radha, Krishna Radha. If you've heard about. Okay. Yeah. So Radha is. the epitome of love what we call in hinduism so that's how it is for example if i talk about your solar chakra solar chakra is related to lord hanuman your crown chakra is related to lord shiva the source of all the creator of all your root chakra is related to lord ganesha 
the one who removes obstacles. Okay. Yeah. So they, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, can you, can you tell us a little bit uh, about like what the masculine energies are and what the divine feminine energies are in your within self? Yeah. So uh, if I talk about your feminine energy, feminines are usually very loving, caring, like empathy is there. All right. Now, just make sure I'm not talking about a male and female. I'm talking about your own feminine side and your own masculine side, which we all have. Anima and animus, if you're aware of. Right. Your uh, mental side and your emotional side, your right hemisphere and your left hemisphere, that kind of an energy that I'm talking about. So your feminine is about emotions. It is about that, you know, emotional stability. All right. Then it's your um, intuition as well. It's your humility, empath nature which we uh, talk about being empath and, you know, empath's journey. It's all that divine feminine. Divine masculine is someone who is, you know, there's positive aggression, right? There's, you know, that there's that zeal. There's a sense of protectiveness, security. Now, all that comes in your divine masculine. And when you have your divine masculine and divine feminine in alignment within yourself, you can never be called someone who is a wounded masculine or a wounded feminine. Now, so for example, I am someone, so um, for let's say I'm in love with someone and that person is kind of, you know, gaslighting me or manipulating me, emotionally troubling me. And I'm someone who is very loving and all I know is how to give and give and give. So that is my feminine side is way too active and my masculine side is not at all active. So now I become a wounded feminine because I don't know when and where to use my masculine side and my feminine side. But if I use my masculine side, Yes, I am loving, but that doesn't mean that I'll keep giving. There has to be equal give and take. There has to be balance. And and if I'm maintaining those boundaries with the person I'm in love with, then I would call myself that, yeah, I am someone who is a divine masculine and a divine feminine as well. So you have to know when to use your masculine side and when to use your feminine side, which we all, I think, kind of struggle with. Because we don't know when to use, when to maintain those boundaries. That is when to use your masculine side. We don't know when to love, which is using your feminine side. Yeah. Yeah. Elaine, Roman? There's a a connection between um, the feminine and masculine energy and breath, right? When you breathe in, you're kind of getting a a feminine uh, energy of like comfort and receiving. And then when you out, you know, it's that order, that follow up, then I, 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 um, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm practicing my yoga. And so I'm going through the, going through the, 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 the steps and the trials. And it's, it's a, it's a long journey of understanding yourself and your body and, um, breathing is hard. It's, it's not some, I mean, something we all do, obviously, um, in an autopilot phase, but <clears throat> when you actually start to think about breathing, um, you know, you, they, I, I notice those energies because one is harder than the other. One's more, you know, they're not always in balance with each other and you feel the energies of each breath, um, in and out and then holding it when you hold it out 
empty inside and when you hold it in full inside um what what's um what's your take on on that and how does that tie into everything so talking about yoga so uh, there's this breathing technique which we call pranayama so that is related to your hatha yoga and hatha yoga is if you've done hatha yoga if you've done all the exercises all the postures that means you are ready to understand what shiva is that is what hatha yoga is so if i talk about breathing exercises when you do pranayama when you inhale you will see you will feel something uh, there's this uh, you know there will be a sense of coldness you will feel that cold energies are going inside you and that is your feminine side feminine side is always related to moon cold feminine mm. are always cold and when you exhale there will be uh, a sensation of uh, you know uh, heat i would say so that is your divine masculine which is related to sun mm. so when you are inhaling you're talking about shakti and when you're exhaling you are balancing your masculine side your purush so we have three nadis in hinduism one is your ingla your second one is your sorry ida pira and sushma so ida is your feminine uh, side pira is your masculine side and then in the center we have sushma so in order to reach to the level of sushma nadi first you will have to make sure that your ida and pingla are completely balanced and that is done by breathing exercises pranayams there are n number of pranayams that you do in yoga so that's how it is yeah i definitely um i definitely feel it and you know with um even the current state of of society in the world um i found myself having uh uh slipping away from my breath even more <clears throat> and so it's it's really important for for every single person to try to practice focusing on your breathing because there's so much wealth and and uh gain that you get from that and that money could never ever you know ever give us i mean they say that people used to survive on sunlight and air you know that might be true yes it is so i'll tell you what uh i was talking to my yoga master and she told me that we have amrit which is always you know uh coming from the universe and what sadhus and uh, saints all of those what they used to do was they used to cut their tongue like from here and they used to keep it back the the palate has to be touched mm. your tongue has to touch your palate and when you do that you won't feel hungry you can wow. yeah exactly so that's how they used to do it they used to put their tongue back and they used to meditate they they didn't need water they didn't need food or anything of that sort they used to stay for 100 and 100 and days because that amrit is coming from the universe all the time so if wow. you can do that people do practice today as well so if you can do that that means you don't need uh, food you don't need water to survive because that amrit is coming all the time that amrit is you are receiving that amrit from the universe so obviously you won't need all of those things is there is there a word for uh people that do that is there is there a, a... all the sadhus the sadhus Sadhu? the, yeah the sadhus uh, agoris shamans all of those 
What um what does uh the tongue like where do you cut it and, and can you can you access this uh without I mean, cutting your tongue? I think it's that little thing underneath your tongue where that that have to touch your throat. It has to touch your throat. So you have to bring your tongue here. And it's not possible without cutting it. Okay. So they okay. used to cut it with the leaf. They used to cut it with the leaf. It was not oh. something, a very heavy operation or something like that. No, they used to do it very in a very subtle manner. It was oh, very hard. I love that. Wow. Yeah. They That's beautiful. Yeah. So we have seven main chakras that, you know, most people are aware of and it kind of correlates to, you know, colors and sound and we have deities attached to them and, um, you know, those are the main chakras, but there's also more, right? There's more than that. What What is the whole diagram of the chakra system and um, how how important are these other chakras as opposed to the seven primaries? I feel that all of them are equally important, but they are kind of, you know, uh, related to each and every chakra of yours. So recently I've read about one chakra, which is your earth star chakra. So when we talk about your earth star chakra, it's six feet uh, under your ground, which is your feet. And it talks about all your past life traumas. So people have started giving Reiki, they have started, you know, uh, started doing journaling on Earth Star Chakra because now they want to heal their past life traumas as well, which is, uh, or you can call it past life regression. In hypnosis, people do past life regression, right? So that is one chakra, which is very, very much in trend these days. And yeah, there are other chakras as well, but I have no idea about those other chakras because there are many chakras like let's just talk about your hands your hands have so many chakras so these five fingers are actually related to your chakras your seven chakras the five fingers here the center and this so when we give reiki we actually we have to you know uh do like this like we have to keep pressing our fingers and our palm and the wrist so that we can activate our chakras our hand chakras while giving reiki so likewise we have it in our feet as well so yeah That's awesome. That's so cool. I've always been into Reiki and healing and all of that stuff. And you explain it so well. That's awesome. Um, I did. I had a quick question. So we were talking about having blocked chakras. And like, I know from when I was a kid, I always used to be called a tomboy, which is here in America. They refer to it just like as a girl who dresses like a boy. Um, Would that correlate with having a blocked chakra like at a young age? And and maybe that's why the girls um, tend to give off that vibe or dress a certain way or anything like that. Um, uh, are you uh, like trying to say that with chakra, is it related to what kind of a block is it? If it is it like a block, like in adolescence, maybe like with um, girls that tend to be. Uh, more boyish or dress like more a boy masculine. Or, she's um, saying like maybe like some maybe. energy like the yeah. feminine energy is not coming through and it shows up more masculine in the way uh that you you dress or act uh so, because something yeah. b- might be blocked or clogged 
Hmm. So I think that depends from person to person. If a person is being, uh, if a person is comfortable being in that tomboyish energy, I don't think you would call it a block. But if the person is having okay. that trouble, if the person is having trouble in representing herself or himself, then you can say that yeah, the person there could be a block in sacral chakra. which is a chakra of you know your feminism your feminist uh, aspects your shakti all of that but if you're comfortable with who you are the way you're presenting representing to the world the way you're dressing up i don't think you would call it a block it is not a block that's how i see what about with what about with homosexuals um or or, or younger people that are gay or, or something like that uh, do you see it as a block or how does that look no, at in your culture how can that be a block i mean uh, that is kind of uh, you know because i feel this is something really funny if people are thinking that this is a block or that is a block if you are comfortable with who you are the way you think the way you whatever you you know wear the way you dress up the way you style that can never be a block but if you are doing something uh just in order to impress someone just in order to fit in a specific group or society that is or, a block or to harm somebody or to to hurt you know with ill intentions like that yeah yeah exactly so that is a block otherwise no you can't you know homosexuals or gay or lesbians no i don't see them as block not at all because they are conscious beings as well like we are so no I, I think that's that's important too in this, um, and when you know we've been doing this topic all month, divine feminine, um, and last month we kind of focused a little bit more on, I guess, on the masculine side, on the duality, and this this month we're focusing on like the polarity of things. Um, but a lot comes up with uh, androgyny and and the divine feminine and masculine being harmonious and androgynous in a celestial sense. and when we're talking about you know people that are sexually attracted to you know people their same gender you know or whatever i think there's it may even be more open their chakras might be more even naturally aligned because they're so comfortable with themselves that they can have access to this sexual freedom as opposed to a lot of times in the matriarchal you know society where more blocked and we kind of are are blocked in the way of just even thinking about how a relationship can be it can only be man and woman it can be only this well that seems to me like a block because you know we experience a lot of different things each day and through our whole lives and you know who we're attracted to changes all all the time you know um you, yeah you can be in love and attracted to somebody for your entire life but still those things are going to change and you're either going to grow more attracted to them or less you know it's not going to just stay the same and so i think to touch on that i think that it's actually maybe the opposite i think you know they're they're in touch with the uh with something you know and um and not saying you know you're only open if you're you know sexually free and you know with as many partners or whatever you know and but that's that's a huge huge part of it and um i i think traumas sexual traumas that people experience which is way too often unfortunately um through abuse and other types of situations then there becomes blockage through trauma and then they that's when a lot of relationship problems 
start to happen and a lot of um abuse on yourself because you've just no you know the 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 trauma is so numbing and so you're so used to it that it's just it's almost comfortable to give yourself that kind of pain as opposed to you know going into the healing which is difficult to do yeah but what kind of a trauma are you talking about how do you uh, think it starts well i mean like if you know if you were you know sexually abused as a child um if you uh, mainly that like that's a big one right like and that has a a wide array of that sexual abuse is a huge umbrella of things it can be a lot of things and i don't necessarily want to go into the too much detail about what that is i think we can all kind of draw what that is but i think that's a large one like sexual abuse happens a lot a lot a lot it's it's a lot it happens a lot and that um it it just it energetically affects people um you know and and so the 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 psycho how do we connect the these energy spots in our body to our psychology and our celestial conscious body right so we have the feminine and masculine on the physical level we also have it on our conscious level right how 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 What's the best practice that you've seen through your healing and through your psychology, like of, of making those two bodies unanimous for, for people that may have a harder time with that? All right. So uh, I think if you talk about me, I have uh, kind of used tarot in this. So what I used to do was on every new moon, I used to pick one card. I used to draw one card from my tarot and I used to check or what is that one thing that I need to work upon? And, you know, I took baby steps. Like for three years, I think I've been into healing. For three years, I've been into, you know, self-healing and doing a lot of tarot healing, tarot journaling and whatnot. So, uh, for example, the first thing, the first card that I got was the card of patience, which is the seven of pentacles. I was someone who was very impatient. I would want things at that very moment. If I don't get those things, obviously I used to get very irritated and whatnot. But then things started changing. So I started manifesting and it said the people who have green eyes they're good with manifesting you know they are good with manifestations as well and I have green eyes so I thought why not make the best use of it so um, I pulled the card I uh, clicked the picture I made it at my wallpaper and for 15 days I was just you know working on being patient I was just seeing how one can be patient what kind of emotions do you go through what kind of thoughts do you need to build the new thoughts and what kind of old thoughts that you need to let go so that's how my journey started and if I talk about in general so this can actually vary from person to person. Now, there are people who understand what chakra is. Like you were saying that, you know, when you uh, did crystal healing, when you, uh, you know, positioned your crystals on your chakras, you felt completely different. Now, this may not be true uh, with uh, someone else, maybe with me, because for me, crystals doesn't work in that level of intensity for me journaling works or for me breathing exercises works so for different people 
it's different things for not everyone uh, for uh, let's say not for everyone tarot will work for some counseling will work for some being religious will work so it depends from person to person what kind of uh, you know energies are you soaking in what kind of energies are you taking in and on what kind of energies you can work with that is very important that's why we have different kind of healers some are shamans some are light workers some are empaths some are astrologers tarot counselors and what not because they all have their own way of healing so yeah Yeah, and that's also, I love the I love the tarot. About, oh. Yeah, uh, just one thing. I'm sorry for interrupting. When you talk about you mm-hmm. know uh, being intimated with someone, the sexual intimacy. So, have you guys heard about Osho? He has yes. been. You um, did. So Osho has been in, misinterpreted like anything, like anything, especially in India, because he promotes. Uh, meditations which involve sexual intimacy as well and people have started taking it in a different course some you know some actually misuse it some actually do it for fun but there are also people who actually understand what that sexual union is so if i talk about chivan shakti and let's say radha and krishna so radha and krishna always promoted unconditional love that you don't need to be physically intimated in order to feel that love but if i talk about shiv shakti they also uh, believed in unconditional love but sexual intimacy was also there so it, then again it also depends on person to person for some maybe for me that distance wouldn't matter you know whether i'm being sexually intimated with my partner or not that wouldn't matter but maybe for you it may matter because for your love uh, you know the level of love would be different how you receive love how you see love would be different as i see it but then love is love right if you you know if you're getting intimated with the right person if you're uh, you know getting intimated with the person you love and you know that the person is right that person is making you comfortable secure then of course i don't think that you know there's any harm or you can judge that person that you know oh this person is getting sexually intimated so this person you know doesn't love her partner his partner no that's not true for everyone their love language is different I I really like that um it's a great reminder because you know oftentimes we you know we kind of stray away from our individuality um you know because we are all of the human race right for the most part that we know of <laughs> um but um you know but we're all very different and everything is situational you know it is situational granted you know physiologically we may have the same organs and cells but you know there's there's something very special about each one of us that that in the way we communicate and the way we receive and give um and so through that and kind of talking i want to get your standpoint through the the hindu view um of this you know you have this talk carl jung of the collective unconscious right or the collective consciousness um where all of our you know our spirits and consciousnesses are connected to but then you come down here and we're all so different, you know, granted, maybe like you said earlier, we're trying to resonate that love and that's the main goal of life. But what in the Hindu view is this collective consciousness and um, and the separation between that and the physical realm? 
Um, I would say Atma, what we call, which is a soul recognition. So we have this uh, holy scripture, what we call Bhagavad Gita. And in Bhagavad Gita, they explain that there are three levels of a human being. So one is your physical one is your physical layer then you uh, have your subtle layer now your subtle layer has all your emotions your guilt your traumas your thoughts and everything and then you have your soul so you know when we say that you know uh, my soul is hurt or anything of that sort it's actually your subtle layer because whatever you are going through as a person as an individual on this earth is actually piling up or adding in your subtle layer so if you want to if you really want to uh, you know get to the level of soul recognition or what you call atma so for that you have to make sure that your subtle layer is very pure and that's why we say that forgiveness is very important if you won't forgive anyone or if you won't forgive yourself you will have that emotions of guilt you will have you know you will experience those emotions of negative thoughts negative thinking and that will be passed on to next life as well the the past life next life the present life and that's how it is all connected so in order to have a good life or maybe your next life or whatever you may want to call it you just need to make sure that your subtle layer is pure it's filled with innocence it's filled with light and not with you know your mind your uh, you know um, i would say your negative uh, blocks or negative emotions so that's why we uh, say that you know buddha all the buddha teachings they always focus upon forgiveness always because forgiveness will lead you to love right so yeah yeah that's beautiful uh so is is that how you uh clear your your chakras is is by forgiving or is it is it yeah yeah i do that i uh, very strongly believe in forgiveness i have practiced forgiveness for at least one year so i was dating a person and that relationship was very toxic for me and i had to you know go through that entire healing process which involved a lot of forgiveness a lot of forgiveness and that too from the core level and it's not just about you forgiving other people it's about asking for forgiveness as well because it's not just about you it's about other people both are involved in a relationship it's about you forgiving yourself as well you forgiving and asking for forgiveness that you've hurt your inner child whenever you don't whenever you allow something that you don't want you are hurting yourself again and again so forgiveness has a major role in all of our lives hmm. and be it any chakra be it any chakra yeah yeah and if you don't forgive uh you won't forget you know and and that's a really cheesy line that uh, it's i think it's, we, it's real, we, don't forget. we don't forget nobody forgets I yeah. think that will always stay in your memory consciously or unconsciously or maybe in your subconscious mind for me forgiveness is something that matters the most it's not about whether i forget it or not you can't you can't just remove it from your memory system i mean that's very practical and logical i i guess i meant more of like um when you can let something go it doesn't sit 
on top of you and kind of way down at you. Um, like something that, you know, is, is traumatic or making you depressed and you, you, you know, like it, it weighs heavy on you, but when you let it go, then you never, you're not going to forget it, you know, because that was an important lesson. I hope that you wouldn't forget it, but, um, you know, it's, it's not weighing on you anymore and you can, you can finally do your travels spiritually. And so yet again, I'll go into another, uh, question here. Um, the, you talked about reincarnation and that's known in the, the Hindu, uh, religion, right? And I, I, I vibe with it. I like it. Like, you know, we've talked about it on the show. Um, and what is the, um, your viewpoint of why, like why so many reincarnations? Why, what is this long journey? Does it end? What's the end point? You know, like where is there, is earth the last spot? Are you going to Saturn next or Jupiter, Venus? Like what's, what's the next, what's the next step? What's, what's, what's up? You know, if I keep thinking about this, I think I can spend years and years thinking about the process behind it or the logic behind it. So in spirituality, or at least in India, in Hinduism, uh, Lord Krishna said that there are some things which should be left untouched. All you can do is have faith. All you can do is, is to trust, especially in spirituality. You cannot know what the truth is because we all have our own truths for you your uh, enlightenment would be completely different for me my truth will be completely different and that's why we say there's no universal truth we all have our you know individual truths which leads us to a truth that nobody can understand and which cannot be explained and that is how it is because if you, you know, if you keep investing yourself, if you keep draining yourself and thinking how, you know, this reincarnation happens and what after, you know, Mother Earth and so and so, you will never be able to, you know, feel stable in your head. There will be always one or two things going into your head and you will never be, you know, you will never have that calmness within you. You will never have that peace within you if you keep thinking about all of this at least that's how I see it so I don't want to you know waste my time thinking about how this happened or how this earth is going to end because I don't know where am I going to be in parallel universe or on earth or where so I would want to actually focus on what I am doing right now and how I can be a spiritually awakened person and when I do that, I think I'll be able to find my truth, my purpose, my life purpose, what I call. And that's what matters to me the most. Do you think it's possible to access and see your past selves um, and talk to your past selves and or meet up with like, you know, or jump timelines like that, like, you know, at, at least on like a, a conscious level, do you think there's access to those memories and those, um, I think because I think everything is possible, right? If you're thinking that, you know, this is not possible or that is not possible, obviously you're putting a limit to it. You're putting restrictions to it. So maybe for you, it is possible. For me, it is not possible for me because I'm not that aware enough. I'm not that conscious being. So, it, you know, there's no limit. This entire universe, we are limitless. So we, if I want to, you know, tap on to... Uh, 
past life or maybe you know three past lives down the line i can do that if i want to but uh, osho says that if you really want to do that you need to understand that what you are doing in this lifetime have you actually acknowledged all your emotions your traumas everything of this lifetime if you have then definitely you can go to your previous lifetimes as well your past lives as well and you can also see your future life as well your next life how it's going to be so you do have that uh, access to your past lives Elaine, you're on mute. Sorry. Uh, I was um, wondering if you could explain a little bit um, to the listeners about intention and manifestation and how that all works and how you practice that. Okay. So uh, talking about manifestation or intentions, you have to be very clear about what you want. you have to be very much wise about what you want so for example one trick that i always follow is for example if i go to a restaurant and i order food right so uh, i have ordered the food and i know that the food is going to arrive i am not going to put attention and a lot of energy onto you know things like when is it going to come what is it going to come how is it going to come because i know the process i have ordered it and it will come at the right timing once it's cooked it will come and that's how any manifestation works if you want something you just put your intentions to the universe that universe you know i want this believe it believing is very important believe it feel it and you will get it at the right timing like he said that you know uh, you have to let it go as well you need to learn how to let it go you have put the intentions you have acknowledged it and now all you need to do is let go because just like the food arrives at the right timing your manifestation will come into reality at the right timing or what we call divine timing so that's it's a very simple thing it's just about you know you have to be detached you can't stay attached to any manifestation or any dream or any wish of yours whenever you are attached to any specific thing or any energy for that matter you won't be able to manifest it so that detachment is important you need to stay connected but attachment shouldn't be there stay connected but not attached that is something that i truly believe in that makes a lot of sense so cuz yeah. i would see maybe getting a little stressed out when you're just focusing on one thing trying to manifest one thing and it's not happening for you and then you start getting agitated or wondering why it's not happening and then uh-huh. that turns into a whole another issue yeah it used to happen with me as well like like i said you know i i used to be a person who had a lot of uh, you know issues when it comes to having patience showing that patience but this entire manifestation thing it taught me a lot now i would be someone who can be patient for you know maybe years as well so uh, i know how it works and it works very beautifully you can manifest anything that you want when you are not attached to that specific thing hmm. that's awesome cool thank you that was great <laughs> yeah roman did you have anything else elaine 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have, I have lots of things here. Because uh, <laughs> uh, we haven't touched on Ayurveda at all, um, which is big. I love Ayurveda. Ayurvedic medicine is the oldest medicine, um, medicinal me- medical practice on the planet. And it's beautiful, you know. Um, and with that, I want to know what is your favorite herbs? Um, what type of into Ayurveda. I'm not at all into Ayurveda. What? <laughs> yeah, I am not at all into Ayurveda because I don't know, it didn't work for me and I I never got the opportunity to get into Ayurveda because it's a vast topic. It's like an umbrella and it has so many yeah. things to cover. So I think this is something that doesn't interest me. Okay. Well, um, I, 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 I still, do you, do you have plants, plants that you vibe with? Do you have herbs that you drink tea or like sort of uh, plants that you may practice with? Um, that you've noticed have um, a resonance with you? Um, Tulsi is something that I uh, really work with because Tulsi actually symbolizes peace. And for me, that peace is very important, be it in any situation. So I also have this mala, which is made up of Tulsi only. And uh, all the Iskorn devotees, they wear it. So mm-hmm. it's to bring that stability into your mind. It brings that balance into your body. So that is something that I love working with. In fact, whenever I do yoga, I have that Tulsi plant in front of me because it gives me that sense of easiness or, you know, comfort, what you call. So that is one herb or one plant that I really connect with and I am in love with. Tulsi is a beautiful plant. It has a deep history um, and also makes a great tea. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's great <laughs> um, well uh, uh, what else was going to say oh Vimyanas Vimanas. what is that Vimanas oh, Vimana. uh, the, the... Vimana, you, you, you mean to say the chariots the chariots yes. of what yeah like the old chariots at um, the Vedic are, UFOs <laughs> yeah basically uh, they're you know electrogravitic um Devices that that the ancients used to use to ride around on, right. uh, floating so around. Talk about vimanas, the chariots. So the chariots were the animals, all right. So every lord, every god and goddesses had their own personal or private vimana, but it was an animal. Oh, something else. So, for example, if we talk about Lord Sun, Lord Sun had seven horses. And horses always talk about that wisdom, leading with wisdom. So that's how every Vimana is connected to a particular Lord, God or Goddess. So if we talk about Shiva, Shiva's Vimana is a cow, Nandi, what we call in Hindi. So since Shiva was someone who was who had that aggressiveness and, you know, like positive aggressiveness, that zeal and everything. So Nandi used to calm him. So that's how each and every god and goddess uh, selected their own vimanas, their chariots. So Saturn, uh, Saturn's vimana is crow, which is related to your intuition. Crow has a really keen eye and it can actually, uh, let's say it can actually um, 
witness any kind of a karma that is happening around so wow. crow's awareness is really high and that's why saturn is related to karma as well uh, that sounds like odin yeah exactly odin right <laughs> yeah how does um technology in modern society affect our uh, spiritual bodies hmm i don't know but if anything in excess would actually uh, have a negative impact on you mm. it's as simple as that you know it, it, we are here connecting for a good purpose obviously it won't harm me because i'm doing i'm doing something for a good purpose there's a good purpose involved but if i'm you know just using my gadgets and everything and i'm doing everything in excess obviously it will harm my energies at any level emotional level physical level spiritual level any level for that matter and yeah, yeah like you know if i talk about gods and goddesses they didn't need you know laptops and phones and stuff because they were so well aware they were so mindful that they used to uh, you know talk through telepathy they didn't need all this to connect and now since we are as a collective maybe uh, at that low vibrational what you just said so we need these gadgets to connect because we are not so mindful we are not so aware enough the consciousness is not at that level where we can connect without uh telephones or mobile phones or so and so gadgets why do you think that is yeah that's what i was going to say why do i think that is is because we are so stuck we are running after success money and what not you know for us whatever is happening around us that is our entire life even if we talk about you know praying to lord we pray for money we pray for cars but we don't pray for our life purpose we don't pray for our spirituality and that is the reason we are so stuck and that is the reason we are not being able to connect to each other because if we are not being able to understand ourselves how are we going to understand other people how are we going to understand what they are trying to say or communicate not just people animals trees because so uh, two or three days back i went to jim corbett it's a jungle here and i went there and i realized that you know every plant every animal is conscious enough to witness us but we are not conscious enough to witness those animals and plants they are seeing and you know witnessing every move of us every thinking they can communicate with us they are communicating with us but we are so busy with our thoughts and our mind that we can't recognize what they are trying to say so that is one blog which is you know hampering us or stopping us to reach to that level and i'm not saying that all of us are like that there are people who can actually communicate through telepathy they can understand because they are aware enough their souls are very much you know aware they are in awareness so it yeah so as a collective we need to you know grow higher and higher reach to a new level of consciousness our collective intentions have changed overall from from they what they changing. used to be to what they are now and those are keeping us in the lower vibrational state of being and so we need to if we all were to become aware and look to the higher vibrationals the love and above 
then we would <laughs> the love and above. I love the love that. and above. The heart, the heart up. Look, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I like to but visualize it like thing, bubbles touching it. Like you have your bubble, and then the bubbles get closer, and then they grow bigger, and then it goes into one big old bubble bath. <laughs> and everybody loves a bubble bath. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but one thing that I have, uh, I have uh, experienced or I'm witnessing is that we are actually changing as a collective as well. We are not at that low vibrational energy anymore. Not most of us, because if we are sitting here and talking about spirituality and, you know, so much of uh, depth is there, then definitely we are evolving as a collective, as an individual as well. Yes, things were low vibrational at some point of time, but now this world is changing, universe is changing, this earth is evolving as a collective. So, What do you think that humans are doing right now to make that evolve? What are we doing? Uh, that we are listening to your you podcast. Have- <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they are actually. It's all about what alternative do they have? It's all about the sources they are. They, uh, you know, are available to them. One source is available to them. They will grab that. They will not miss it because everyone wants to, they don't want, you know, materialistic success and all of that anymore. People want even better than that, which is spirituality. Now, be it in Reiki form, be it by reading books, by having experiences, by, you know, having your good karmas or bad karmas, listening to speakers and all of that. So people are making the best use of it right now. Yeah, it seems like there's sort of like a war on materialism and material possessions. A lot of people are, you know, getting rid of their televisions, uh, moving out of the cities and moving into more of a country lifestyle, uh, doing things on their own and getting away from that everyday like grind. Uh, and they're they're increasing their consciousness by getting out of these high dense areas and into something more earthy uh and i think that is kind of changing our consciousness and the way people are starting to look at things is that the materialism has gotten so strong now people are trying to rebel against that materialistic uh past Mm -hmm. you know like money is starting to go away too we're starting to see like the rise of cryptocurrencies and stuff like that and and um just material possessions as a whole, like people are starting to be aware that they don't need all these things around them to feel happy and be peaceful. On that same sense, though, I want to just say, because our ancient uh, cities and our, the way that, that we used to live on earth um, when we were resonating higher, right. We didn't have to be alone. We didn't have to be alone to, to have that connection. And we could live in like the, you know, the cities, uh, where the cities were healing and the cities were like, we could be together and everything would be great. But now everything's so flipped that it's like, you almost have to go out to go in. Um, you know, and because we get so irritated with the people because there's a lack of connection and, um, the love that's there. And yeah, I think that's, that's a large part of why as a society, we're not really, um, vibing the way that we used to is because 
um, I don't know. There's some sort of, I mean, I hate to say it, you know, I hate to be the guy that brings up the, the negative shit, but you know, the nefarious, uh, energies that be that, that run the world, um, they want it to stay in their possession. And the only way to do that is by, you know, actually not having like the complete energy connection to earth like to permeate negative energy and to permeate this type of society is to keep everybody in a lower vibrational state whether they they want us to think so or not it is because we've had millions of people on the planet before uh that were living in peace and harmony you know like the the we like to think about you know atlantean times or ancient egypt like you know there was you know there was less people. There probably wasn't billions, but there was a lot of people, you know, yeah. and they, they could manage it and they managed it through love and, and, you know, and, and resonance and understanding spirituality and God and, you know, what that meant to them. So just wanted to throw that little tidbit in there. Yeah. See, so I feel that we need to accept the fact that we are not living in that world anymore. We have, we all have our expenses, we have our needs and wants, and that is something uh, which we need to work upon. We need money in order to live. So that that is something we can't deny. But if you're putting your entire attention and energy into money, that is something where you're going wrong. And as a human being or as a being of the new earth, I feel that we are moving in a direction where we can stay stable, we can be mindful enough where we are. We don't need to go to jungles and forests in order to meditate or be, uh, you know, uh, stay calm or anything of anything like that. If I'm, uh, you know, sitting here, if I'm in a city, and if I'm working on myself, if I'm keeping my ba- uh, myself balanced, I can still stay calm. I can still feel that peace within me being in a city, being around hundreds and crores of people as well. So it's not about always going to the forest and finding that, you know, peace and stuff like that. It's not possible. If we see, it's not possible for everyone. At least for me, it's not possible because I have a family and I love my family. I can't, you know, leave them just, you know, leave them and going to the forest and doing those meditative techniques. No, and I wouldn't do that. That is not something that I would choose to do. But I would rather be with my family. I would actually would want to earn as well by keeping my spiritual health in very much in check. So that balance is something that we all are revolving around. That balance is required everywhere. We can't do anything in excess right now. At least uh, what I feel. I can't, you know, do meditation in excess. Because if I do that, I would miss on so many things. And I can't afford to do that. So that balance is important. And you can find that balance by being in a city as well by being in forest or maybe by being around hundreds and crores of people as well that's isn't that how beautiful thank you isn't that how buddha gained his enlightenment uh he went on a journey he left his family and um he thought that he was going to go and and find what he needed and he came to the realization that it was just his family that he needed and the love and energy from them Yes, it was. But that doesn't mean that we have to follow Buddha. Because Buddha has his, you know, own truth. 
he has his own way he had his own way of learning things but that doesn't mean that we have to follow the you know uh, we have to copy his steps yes we can get inspired by buddha krishna shiva and there are so many other gods and goddesses and you know uh, masters ascended masters but we can only get inspired by them we can only see what kind of awareness they have been bringing into this earth we don't have to copy how they did it just because buddha left his house doesn't mean i'll have to do the same right because like uh, i i think um, roman said that you know we all have our own uniqueness that's that's how buddha has his own unique Uh, you know uniqueness as well shiva has his, uh, had his own uniqueness as well krishna had his own uniqueness as well likewise we also have our own uniqueness so maybe uh, you know roman and um, rising from the ashes i forgot your name dan 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 yeah so maybe roman and dan can make the world through, uh, change uh, they can bring that change into the world by you know uh, giving you know speeches and podcast and what not for you it could be reiki for me it could be something different so you don't have to copy or you don't have to follow the steps as it is you can always yeah, I, use your creativity yeah i i see it as like a, something not to do <laughs> like okay buddha he finally realized it was his family okay yeah that's not something you're good for him he did, the, he did the journey yeah for good you. for him yeah yeah he did yeah. the journey for everybody else Exactly. Yeah. Oh, what what is uh do you have a favorite goddess, Liza? Nah. Nah. Not really. <laughs> I believe in all the gods and goddesses. I like I say I always believe in being limitless. So I wouldn't uh-huh. want to limit myself with just one god or goddess, not at all. That's good. Yeah. No, I like that. Um We have any anybody else have any uh final questions before we wind down here? What uh what um uh tarot card did you most recently pull and what uh significance did it have in your life? Tarot card that I pulled for myself? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I think I've been I haven't pulled a card for myself for maybe 2 months or so. Oh. There you go. Maybe maybe it's yeah. time. Maybe you got to do it. Maybe maybe someday, maybe tomorrow or day after tomorrow. <laughs> Because uh, now you know the collective updates that I uh, you know create, the content that I make. So I think I kind of relate to that as well. So I don't need to do personal readings. I am happy with the collective readings as well. Nice. Yeah, it's a, a energy transfer. You feel a good balance yeah, with that. Exactly. Nice. Nice. Shall I pull a card for you? Yep. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, you should. Absolutely. Well, what deck you got there? What's going? What's up with that? What is that there? So I'm going to use this deck for Dan, which is the Keepers of Light. All right. We'll see which master or which spiritual healer is actually working with Dan. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. This is exciting. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay Roman, so thank you. you got Sorry, bud. <laughs> get a little waiting music for you. Add add some beats. 
All right. So let's see what we have. So you got the card of charity, prayer and contemplation, which says that connect with heaven, ask and you shall receive. So I'm reading the message for you, which says faith, hope and charity are trinity of archangels who are dedicated to helping us regain our natural traits of kindness, trust and faith in the highest good. Charity is the twin flame of Archangel Chamil. So maybe you are on a twin flame journey. Oh. All right. So she has a great spirit that encourages us to undertake the spiritual practices of prayer and meditation. Prayer is the way we speak with the divine and meditation is the way we open ourselves to receive the answers we need to hear. So I feel that with you, meditations or, you know, Reiki or all of that wouldn't work as compared to prayers or being religious. Yeah. So that discipline that comes in being religious, that discipline that comes in being a devotee of a certain God or goddess that would actually work for you. Like at any level. Yes. Yes. I see that, man. I I, I feel that. I feel that you have a deep dedication, Dan. And like, you know, you have a deep spiritual understanding and you're dancing around kind of diving into a specific type of practice, uh, you know, because you've studied all of them. You've looked at all of them. You question all the gods, you know, but that's what, that's what, that's what true spiritual understanding is, is that what you're already doing. And maybe you can work with archangels as well. Yeah. Um, Specifically Archangel Samuel. Samuel? Yeah. Samuel? Uh, So let me pull another deck for Ellen. I've got lots of decks actually. So I'll be using Chakra reading cards for you. All right. Okay. All right. I'm using to Reiki. So. Let's see what we have for you. Yeah, there's um one chakra point in the back of the head, um, in the the cranial, the sacral cranial, uh, the, you know, this part right here. What is yeah. it called? The breath, breath of God, or the uh, gate of God, gate of God. Yes, gate of God. And when you're in the shower, getting doused with water on the back of your head right here, sit in that. I'm telling you, you know, when you do that and it feels so good, that's because it's going right in that chakra and just water. Just. So you got family, which is the root chakra. And you are right now blessed by your ancestors. Your ancestors are around you. They are actually protecting you and they are actually guiding you. So if you are actually, you know, going through anything or any kind of family trauma, any kind of family trauma, or I would say childhood trauma as well. Your ancestors are kind of, you know, telling you or communicating with you to break that generational curse, to break 
that silence and you know make a new generation for your entire family because you can be someone who can actually set an example for your family for your ancestors as well and your ancestors are actually helping you to do that maybe through reiki or anything of so- that sort so your root chakra is really strong you can actually start working on your sacral chakra now because your root chakra is in intact and it's very protected and it's very much in balance so that's what i have for awesome. you awesome great thank you do you feel yeah, that elaine do do you resonate with that yeah totally totally I feel like, um, yeah, well, I always talk about uh, parenting and stuff like that, you know, and um, changing it up and, and not ever, I never wanted to parent the way that my parents parented me. And I always was like, I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to break the cycle and break the cycle. And then now and you will. we always you are going to break that cycle for sure. Yeah, she's been doing like awesome. homeschooling and, and helping uh, other kids too in homeschooling. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We moved out to the country. Yeah. We moved out to the country and they kind of grow their own stuff and, you know, self sustain. That's beautiful. Yeah. We have animals and I plants think, you know, and all of that. It's the most sensitive thing and it's the most important thing to do in one's life. Like, very important. But be it parenting your inner child or your own child, parenting is something that can, you know, go miles and miles and that is that is a very beautiful thing an emotion i would say yeah definitely so for roman i'm going to choose this one which is guiding light oracle oh yeah what do we have for him guiding light's a good one because he was sitting there blocking the sun earlier now you can see his beautiful face finally yeah exactly (laughs) It's a free loop. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like doing these little arm dances. Yeah, and he does like weird like... stretches and stuff sometimes during shows, and like, <laughs> he he does. He did a foot bath yesterday on a show. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's the vibes. Yeah, he's a. The vibes. <laughs> he's a viber. He's, a, he's an original man. He uh, he does his own thing. He walks to his own. <laughs> The beat of his own drum. Check out these slippers. (laughs) Oh, Oh my Lord. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's got the Yeti slippers on. Oh, Lord. The bare feet, yeah. I'm going to put new bottoms on. I'm going to go to the seamster and be like, yo, put leather bottoms on here so I can wear them better outside. Yeah. So I pulled the card for you, and it says Supernova. So... I'm going to read this. An aspect of your personality, ego self, must die to make way for a new shining star to be born. And uh, with that, uh, before reading the message, I would actually uh, suggest you to, you know, get in touch with snakes because snakes represent death and rebirth death and rebirth so once you you know let one aspect of yourself die immediately you will give a chance to your new aspect of yourself which is not going to be related to your false ego but your higher consciousness so that's how that supernova works for you 
So I'm reading the message. Uh, supernova is the death of a star. Much like the supernova, you are releasing turbulence and built up energy that are ready to be transmuted into light and love. The process of death and dying is essential to being reborn. To transform from inside out, you must allow layers from within to be released. This allows the hidden light from your soul essence to burst wide open, revealing and integrating aspects of your soul self you never knew existed. Everything from within is going through a transmutation process, a process of the old dying, so something new can be born. So... Yeah, that's why you're rising from the ashes, brother. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have one of my one of my uh, most recent tattoos actually was a uh, so I got this like this door on my hand and it connects to some stairs that goes up my arm oh, into a door that leads to another door on the back of my head, and yeah. then I left that blank for a while because I wanted something to come out of the door nice. because you know that's the connection here, and then I I went with a snake. Because I was like, I like snakes. Uh, and that was before I started getting into serpent symbology and stuff. Your Kundalini Shakti. Snakes are also related to your Kundalini, what we call the high, the spiritual awakening that we call. So Kundalini, yeah. awakening your Kundalini, I think it is the most sensitive and the most difficult thing to do. And if you're being able to do that, you are enlightened. You don't need anything. You won't need anything. You will be able to manifest whatever you want, how you want it, the way you want it, from who you want it. So that kind of an energy, you know, you can go up to. Um, I have a I have a question for you. We know we know a guy who talks about uh, cutting the heads off of the serpent energy in people's bodies. Would you say that is something good or bad? I don't know what it is. Yeah, he's saying he I'm it for the first time. Sounds he says bad. he can see like the yeah. I think it sounds bad to me too. He's saying that he can see the energies in people, and he sees them come out as snakes. And what he'll do is he'll like figuratively cut cut the head off with his fingers or whatnot, and and take that head off of that energy snake. And then he says that the people feel better afterwards. But snakes aren't necessarily bad, though. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I know. It seems like that's like a point of energy that he's cutting off that point of energy. Is what seems I like would... he's doing some work that's outside of his responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, they uh, probably could just shit that you know, out. It could, it could be intervening with the process, I would say. Intervening with the process, nothing else. I mean, I wouldn't do that. And I wouldn't let anyone do that with me. I'm happy with those heads as well. So... <laughs> No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds intrusive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, uh, back away from my snakes, buddy. Leave them be. Yeah. Uh, what? What is kind of? Uh, what do? What do snakes kind of symbolize? Um. Do uh, because we talk about it a lot, and it seems to be they symbolize uh, many, many, many things. Uh, wisdom being one, and like energy do you think do you see a connection with like energy like not just like within our body like but, yeah but within like the world too like uh these ley lines we talk about ley lines and these energetic ley lines and having to do with serpents and uh the serpent motif uh of 
in civilization that pre-existed. It seemed uh, like, you know, serpent people or the serpent headed aliens or whatever. It always seems like they have some type of divine knowledge or purpose rather than uh, a, a negative one, but we've kind of given it a negative vibe. So I was just wondering if there's anything there uh, that you could speak about. Talking about the snakes, the only negative thing that people may have been considering is that when you go uh, through a certain process, when you are in that process of transformation, that rebirth, that doesn't come easily. That That is never smooth. Like you said, you know, rising from the ashes, the phoenix knows how much it takes. What is the struggle behind it? So likewise, if I talk about snake, snake represents transformation. Like Ellen said, it's it talks about mm. rebirth. So that rebirth, in order to have that rebirth, in order to have that transformation into your life, you will have to go through certain experiences. Yes, you may consider that as bad, but in the long term, this won't be as bad as you think it is, obviously, because it will give you that beautiful transformation that you never thought at that point of time. So that is the only thing I feel that why people are afraid of snakes. Otherwise, snakes are really beautiful. But for in order to love snakes, in order to have that, you know, likingness uh, for snakes, you have to be courageous enough. Your willpower has to be really strong. You have to be very, you know, uh, you have to be ready to face the circumstances which are going uh, to change you into a better human being. Yeah. So, do you think? Do you think if you kill snakes, that it's bad karma? Maybe it is. I mean, uh, it. Uh, it yeah, I was gonna well, say yeah. Well, I've killed a couple of rattlesnakes living out in the country because they're about to bite my ass. <laughs> so I was just curious if I if I have karma coming back for that, or if they're in the Maybe wrong because they were attacking me. I was just curious. Karma. You protected yourself. You were protecting yourself. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I think right, there's good. a difference between uh, the the malicious intent and uh, like the intent of of safe or protection, you know. So yeah, I think that would fall probably under like protection. You're protect like if a bear is trying to kill you and you kill the bear, it's more of a protection than like you're trying to just kill the bear maliciously. Yes, I yeah. and you know one thing that I've learned in this spiritual journey is that don't be guilty about anything like if you have guilt that means that is something that your higher self did not allow Ah, and if you do not have that guilt if you don't have that regret it may seem to be wrong to the society or even to you but if you don't have that guilt that means you're not doing anything wrong so it's all about your feelings how your body is communicating with you Hmm. so there's nothing wrong and right in universe everything is equal till the time you have pure intentions oh beautiful yeah beautiful so <laughs> that's a solid way to end right there uh liza do you have any uh um websites or any uh media stuff or is there any way people can contact you if they want yes, readings I or have- any of that uh just go ahead and give out those. So I have an Instagram handle which says Evolve with Tarot. And I have a YouTube channel as well. So you guys can subscribe onto it. I do readings, tarot readings and collective readings as well. I do, um, what do you call, energy updates, divine masculine, divine feminine updates. So yeah, that's what I have. And if you want to book a session, you can definitely DM me or email me.
And what's the name of that YouTube channel? It's Evolve with Taro. Okay, Evolve with Taro. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Elaine. Thank you, Roman. Thank you, Fire yes, Tribe. Thank you so much. That was great. It was thank awesome. You. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. I had a great time with you guys. And Wait. actually, my first podcast, yeah. so I'm, I was super excited about it. <laughs> awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Can you do me one favor, Lisa? Yeah. Uh, uh, before we go, I, I sometimes like to sample, uh, take chops and bits of our podcast and then put them into um, songs. Okay. Can you say you are listening to Rising from the Ashes? <laughs> oh, God. oh my God. Yeah, sure. So how uh, is there any specific tone you want me to use? <laughs> Just th- you can be as dramatic and theatrical as you want. You know, happy, theatrical, whatever. Yeah. Just say you are listening to Rising from the Ashes podcast. Okay, you are listening to Rising from the Ashes podcast. <laughs> Is it fine? Yes, good. Beautiful. That's yes, good. That's perfect. Great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All uh, right. Yes, thank you, Fire Tribe. Thank you, everybody, right. for joining us. And if you're not down with that, wake up. Wake